Welcome to the Child Free Wealth Podcast, hosted by Bree and Dr. J, Certified Financial Planner. Here we discuss life and finances as it relates to being child free. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your advisor before implementing any ideas heard on this podcast. Hey, Child Free Wealth listeners, we are back in the book club and we're with the book that Bree almost like wanted to throw at me for a bit. And that is the gap in the game. Let me tell you a little story behind this. Bree and her wife, I help them with their financial planning. You know, it's kind of one of those bonuses of working with us. You get to get your own financial planning through us. And we were walking through different things they can do together. And I recommended reading the book, Gap in the Game. And I checked in with Bree like a week later. I was like, what'd you think? And she's like, ah! I was like, whoa, what was that? Do you remember that, Bree? Oh yeah. I was not happy with you. Not Why? happy at all. Because I've read a lot of self-help books and I've done a lot of work and I've struggled with my own mental health in the past. Getting this book, it was like, I've already done a ton of work and I've spent thousands of dollars on therapists and psychologists and all these things. Like, I don't need this. I'm in a good place where I'm genuinely enjoying life and I'm happy. And I couldn't have said that five, six years ago, but now I can. So it didn't feel like this was necessary. And in the end, was it? It was helpful. I will admit it was it was helpful, but it took a few months before I got over my annoyance. The interesting thing is sometimes the books that annoy you most are the ones you need. And sometimes they're just annoying books. So you don't know which one it is. Yeah, that's true. And I think a little bit of both of that. I would say it's good, but at times it felt like it was so... There was a lot of toxic po- positivity in it, which I am not about. I don't like that. I I don't like sugarcoating things. And sometimes it felt like this wanted you to sugarcoat everything in your life. Okay. Talk to me what you mean when you say toxic positivity. Where you have to just, it's the idea that everything can be good and, oh, well, this is good. And the whole everything happens for a reason that I don't resonate with and I don't like, and I think it's harmful to people to be seeking that out. That's what it felt like this book wanted you to do because it says, Take every gap and turn it into a gain. Like every bad thing has a good thing that comes from it. And frankly, I don't believe that about some of the things that have happened in my life. And I don't think it's helpful to tell people that either. Well, and I'm going to challenge you. I didn't read that when I got the, when I read the book. It's Dan Sullivan. And by the way, a lot of their work is some of the positive and reframing things. And I think to start with the basics is we have this problem and I think it's heavily in the U.S., but it might be other countries of we always want people to like overachieve. And we have a problem right now. Like, hey, you need to do this or you will not get in a good school. You will not have a good life. You will not like it's always like you need to get the gold star, which the problem is when you're always looking for the gold star, you miss where you've been, the journey, all of that and giving yourself credit for where you've been. I don't think of that as positive you know, toxic, what'd you call it? Toxic positivity or something? Yes. Toxic positivity. I mean, that's not toxic positivity of saying, Hey, you need to appreciate where you've been. Yes. But it also, I don't remember where it was in there, but it made me so mad reading it. It was like, Oh, well, bad things happen in life, but good comes out of it. And I'm like, listen, no, not all these bad things that have happened have been good in the end. This isn't okay. I don't know. I think the truth is where we've been, has brought us to where we are. That just always is the case. Not all for good. <laughs> that is the truth of that. There's an author I like, Brandon Sanderson. He does a lot of stuff on fiction side. 
And one of the key principles he's one of his books, he calls it journey before destination. And I like that concept. You know, we appreciate the journey before we get to the destination, which is a slightly different spin than gap in the game. Are you with me if we say, hey, we just need to appreciate the journey as much as the destination or before the destination? Sometimes, but I don't think everything. Like if anybody's listened to this podcast, returning listeners, you know that I can talk about estate planning and I enjoy talking about it. A lot of that was from seeing death and trauma very, very closely in my life. Yeah, I can talk about those things now, but that doesn't mean I should have had to go through that. I've never argued that you should have gone through it. And that's where I'm piecing the pulling this apart from a book standpoint. You know, there's a balance between appreciating what you've gained and saying, hey, I made progress in just looking at the gap. You know, yeah. So let's bring this into the financial world. If you want to see people really have fun with this, the first million dollars they hit, they're like, yeah, that's nothing now. I need to do two million. And I'm like, did you miss that you just went from negative net worth, got out of debt, got your first million? They're like, yeah, that was easy. I'm like, no, it actually wasn't. But they're like looking at the gap of saying, yeah, but my friend has four million. Yeah. In that instance, I think that's fine. But I, I didn't like how they were just saying everything needs to be a gain. Not everything needs to be a gain. Okay. Like, yes, if you've made a million dollars, you should take time. And that was hard work to get there. Plain and simple. But if they would have said a lot of things in life or some things instead of everything, I think I would have not been so irritated with the book for the longest time. So like one word in the book is what you're upset at. Yeah, that made me so mad for a long time. And by the way, that's fair. I think, first of all, if you think you can read any book and take everything that's in it and apply it, that's never going to be the case. Oh, 100%. And I agree with that. And I know that. I don't think. I think this book just hit me enough in that, in like the right, it pressed the right button to just really upset me for a while. Where are you at now with this book? Now I'm like, okay, yeah, it's good. Read it. All right. Let's talk through some principles. And- I think what I like out of the gap in the game is the reframing of the way we look at things. And with money, it is very, very common to look at what you don't have. Well, I don't have X, Y, or Z, whatever it is, whatever matters to you, rather than looking at what you do have. And that's the difference between the gap in the game saying, hey, I've worked so hard for X. I've been lucky at Y and ignoring, yeah, but I don't have Z. Like that's the problem. And I see this a lot with clients, and this one drives me crazy. They go, well, I just read this article. It says by 45, I'm supposed to have X in my account, and I don't. I'm behind. And I'm like, behind who? Like, you're running your own race. Look at what you have been able to accomplish, because you're comparing against people that aren't you, and who knows if the measures are right. But we get stuck in this comparison thing. And, and the book does talk quite a bit about the comparison. It was interesting. The book is know, a few years older, and... They're talking about social media, and I think social media has exacerbated this completely. Of uh, you know, we see people's they bought this, but I don't see their debt behind it or whatever else it is. And I think the hard part is if you're focusing only on the gap of what you don't have, you'll never be happy. I one thousand percent agree with that. Yeah, you know, I hate using like every or never, but that literally is. If you're always looking at the gap, you'll never be happy. Yeah, because there's always going to be things that you don't have, and it's okay to have that. But you're right. Social media is a huge issue. You know, I was a social media manager for so long and now I don't even want to be on social media. Part That's part of the reason, aside from the fact that I just don't have a lot of time, that we don't post a lot. Because if I could throw my phone in the river, 
Jay and I were, Dr. Day, Dr. Jay and I were having this discussion yesterday. Like I would, I just don't want it. And I don't want to be on social media. You know, after reading this book, my wife has deleted social media. She doesn't even check it anymore because it's such a comparison trap. It's all of these things where if you're not doing it like this, somebody I follow into a lot of like fitness stuff. And they said, how many dreams have died because you've seen somebody run seven minute miles or do all these big, amazing hikes. And you feel like because you're not there yet, you're just not going to try at all. The problem is I think our society, it's kind of like a, they love misery a little bit. Kind of like, it's okay to just be like, well, I don't have this and all that. And I think I was having this conversation with somebody and we're going to do a separate podcast on this, but my concept right now is I want to get people to a place where people can say, I'm proudly child-free and wealthy. I can be proud of who I am, where I am, what I've, what I've done. That's the game. But then people go, well, but if I'm proud of the game, am I not reflecting on the people that didn't have the same chances? Am I talking about privilege? Like, is it not okay? Do we always have to look at the gap in order to reflect on you know, people that are struggling? I don't know. I mean, what do you think? That's a hard one. And had these conversations, you know, you can do work and acknowledge your privilege, but at, at some point you can't just be so worried about your privilege that you don't do anything. It's okay to acknowledge that you have it and then also take action to help others, but it's okay to just be happy with the things you have too. You don't have to always be apologizing for what you have and what you've worked for and what you've done. And even if you've gotten lucky in life and been born in the right country and born to the right family and all these things, that's okay too. Yeah. I just think that Bree and I offline have been having a lot of discussions about privilege and how does it fit in and money and who do we serve? Who's the right client? You're, you're seeing some of that bleed over here. And I wonder if part of the reason why people like hanging out in the gap is because it doesn't feel like you're bragging there. You're, you know, it's kind of like the um, false bravado of like, well, you know, actually the humble brag more, you know, like, well, I got this, but, and then we have balance the two, like people like start mixing together. Is it okay to be happy with what I've got? Or do I have to struggle? If I don't struggle, does it look like it's too easy? Like I got lucky. Like there's all this baggage that really is just bullshit. <laughs> true. So true. And I do think there is a point where you don't want to acknowledge the things you have or even be okay with it. My grandpa, he used to get a brand new pickup every other year. So what they did was one year my grandma would get a vehicle, the next year he would. And he didn't want people to know that he would get a brand new one every year. So he would change the license plate. And then you'd ask him about it and he'd say, no, it's the same one. I'm like, Grandpa, you're lying right now. The headlights are different. Like they changed the design. You got a new one. Just admit it. It's fine. And I think that comes from the fact that we're told that we cannot be okay with what we have and we should always be working for the next thing. So it's hard to enjoy where you're at now. Yeah. And I've mentioned this before. I, I struggled. What my parents taught me was whatever you are, be the best at it. That really screws with your head. It just does. Kind of like, because you can always do better. You can always do more. You can always, and this is the difference between the gap and the gain. And the way in the book, they talk about measuring backwards, measuring your progress against how far you come, not far, how far you have left to go. That's kind of anti where we're at. I'll give you another example. Child-free wealth created a 
process for financial planning for child-free people that didn't exist. It just didn't. There was very little discussion, if any, in the financial literature before we started. And we're looking at our plan and saying, okay, if we do stuff perfect and we just bust our butt for the next 15 years, we'll be able to serve about 1% of our target market. Now, we could look at that at the gap and go, yeah, we we not serving 99%. We go to the gain and go, yeah, we created something that didn't exist, created a category that didn't exist, created a process that didn't exist, and served thousands of people. The problem is like, I could find myself and I still do at times going, yeah, but what about the other 99% we can't serve? Like, I don't know, am I just messed in the head or is it, you know, are you with me, Bray? I think you've gotten a little bit better about being okay with, we can only do so much. It's very evident about the, how many emails you send me too. Like how, how you much mean? your brain is going. Sometimes I just, Okay, share this with the group. Explain it. Cause they're, they're not me emails. I will get emails from him all day long, especially Fridays and then weekends. Sometimes on weekends, I shut my emails off. But some days I will just close my email because I don't want to read another email from him. I'm like, I cannot take another one of another idea or another thing. I'm like, I already have a bunch of stuff that needs to be done piling up. No, that can wait. That is not that important right now. Let's just pause that. Here's what's really going on. First of all, I freely admit I have ADD. Okay, so that is what it is. I'm getting better actually now scheduling my emails so they come out on Monday morning instead of the weekend. I'm not perfect at it. My phone, I can't schedule. So I have to figure that one out. But I will have these ideas and I'm like, here's a way to make it even better. And Bree's over here going, listen, we still got to get everything perfect from before. And we've made such progress. Be okay with it. And I'm like, uh, okay. Like, like, we'll add it to the list. We'll get to it eventually. I think that's the hard part. The book, The Gap of the Game, it is just specifically says, The High Achiever's Guide to Happiness, Confidence, and Success. And the point is, if you're always going to look at the gap, you're never going to be happy. My nature is always to be constantly improving. Literally, I talk about we're a learning organization. I'm helping clients learn. I'm helping staff learn. That's what we exist for. I'm going to find ways to improve things. And, and Bree's right. Like, I have, we haven't even finished the first idea and I'm on version three. Mm-hmm. Version three is better, but we need to do version one to start. Yeah. There are some things I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to start this because I know it's going to be different next week or even tomorrow's. So I'm just going to ignore you until you send me the next email about this. Well, and I think that's human nature, especially in the society we're in right now, where we're measuring ourselves against, I don't know what, some fake bar. I'm going to turn this into a session about, you know, we're going to do therapy for me, but like, (laughs) I really don't have huge personal goals is one of my realizations this weekend. Making more money does nothing for me. Like I'm more in that file approach enough. I'm going to die with zero. I'm good. But how many lives can I serve and help? That's the juice. That's the goal. That's the, the thing. And the hard part is when you're driven to serve others, It can feel like if you don't serve them, you let them down. And now we're stuck in the gap. Yeah, but. (laughs) Yeah, but what? No, go ahead. Some of this stuff, I'm like, they wouldn't have even known because we aren't doing any of it. Like you're already doing so much. Then you want to add more. It's fine. Just chill out a little bit. Go join that sword fighting gym that you talked about. Okay. By the way, there there actually is. There's just outside Nashville. There's an armored MMA Sword fighting. I like, that's cool. All right. That, 
that's on my list someday. What's happening is, and this is why I like the book, I did not pick up the everything that you got, is we need to stop and say, what are you measuring? Are you measuring the gap or are you measuring the gain? Are you taking a minute to go, wow, I've achieved a lot? Or are you just always looking at it going, well, I'm never going to achieve this big goal? Yeah, I think you were sitting in a point where you were just really doubting everything for a while there. And how far things could go, you're like, well, I don't know if we can actually do that. Or, I don't know. It was weird. It was weird to watch. But you were in a weird place for a while there. You don't, You seem to be much better about being okay with the things we're setting and the goals we're setting now. And I'm using, you know, I, I actually like Sanderson's journey before destination rather than gap in the gain a little bit. And I'm trying to enjoy the journey and say we're doing the right steps. So where we end up matters less, which is the same concept as gap in the game, but it's it's a little different spin on it and just enjoying the ride. And I think that's really hard. Like that is one of those things. Like I've always been goal driven. Like you give me a goal, I will beat it. And then you hit the goal and you're like, I move the post. Well, that's no, that's useless. And that's where we, when it comes to finances, we have a problem because there are numbers and like, these are absolutes. And, you know, I just had a conversation with somebody and we're talking about numbers. And I'm like, listen, at the end, you're going to die with millions of dollars. That's a problem. And they said, yes, that is. Well, then why are we using the numbers as the goal? And why are we using that? And why are we focusing on that? Why don't we instead focus on the journey, the gain throughout life and what we're doing with it? And it sounds like it's semantics, but it's not. It's a completely different way of thinking. You know, we will say in our language, you plan for life first, then your finances. Life really is the game. The finances are the gap. Yeah, that's true. I had a conversation recently with somebody who I asked him why they're still in their job. They're already at financial independence number. And the first answers they gave me were all around money. And I called that out on them. I said, all your answers are surrounding money. Like you. Yeah, you said you enjoyed it before, but when I asked you why you're still in your job, the answers were all money. Like you don't need it at that point, but you still are focusing on that. But I can tell you exactly where that conversation goes because my mind just went there. Well, but I got to keep struggling for money because other people are struggling. <laughs> I'm like, that's not true, first of all. There will always be people struggling. And you succeeding is not going to help them struggle less or more. I wonder if just... We are at a place as a culture, as a society, where it's just not cool to say you're happy, that you're good with life. And people just go, well, then you have it easy. And we'll see this with child-free people literally go, you've got the easy button because you don't have kids. You know nothing about my life. You're making an assumption. And they go, well, the gap is you don't have kids. You have it easy because you don't. Oh, no, that is not true. That. It may be, but you don't know where instead we can look at it and say, I'm living my best life and that's okay. That's very true. It's not popular to be happy. So how do we change that? Delete the internet. That's probably the first step. <laughs> I'm kind of with you, but like, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. And I think it's just over time will take a lot of work. And honestly, I think social media is a big problem of why people are so unhappy. And, you know, I don't know that the entire virtual world is super helpful 
know, I made a comment like we need to get together at least once a year in person versus always being virtual because I think there is such a important part of connecting with people in person and being surrounded by people and just being in the same room as them that we don't have as much, especially since COVID. And that could be one step in the right direction. That's fair. I think if you want to see the gap, go on Reddit. Like literally that world is built for the gap. I have a love-hate thing with Reddit, okay? And if you really look at it, people go on Reddit to talk about the gap, always. And if somebody actually talks about the game, they get, like, put down. Yeah. I don't know what it is about Reddit. What's that? I said, that's why I'm not on it. But I don't know why Reddit is that particular cesspool. I have no idea. (laughs) Because it's anonymous? I don't know. I'm like, they'll pick apart anything. And... I think the other part is like, by the way, if you look at the financial Reddit, it's even worse. They're like, well, I paid off all my debt in a year. Well, yeah, because you make double the amount of money I do or like whatever else it is. And then that just makes people feel worse. You know, I've I've seen it called misery porn. You know, like just want to feel like, hey, I can see it. You're worse off than me. So I'm okay. (laughs) Like, It's the trolls. It's the one saying, you know, they got to knock you down. Yeah, that's true. It is very true. So I want to swing back. So key takeaways. One of the things I like in here, they talk about at the end of the night, actually making sure you use your time wisely and setting yourself up. But they talk about something that is actually in a lot of positive psychology. So Bree doesn't probably like it is the three good things, which is at the end of every day, writing down the three good things that happened to you that day. And interestingly enough, there's some really cool research that finds that that it has a better impact on your mental, you know, like level where you're at, your feelings than many medications of literally just going at the end of the day, these are the three things. It works. Have you tried the three good things, Bree? Do you see all those journals behind me? That is years of that. So yes, I do do that. I actually, I like that. (laughs) It's positive psychology, but you, you know, (laughs) the three good things. I also, so we do our team meetings. We'll do wins and losses or roses and thorns. If you want to do it that way. I like to allow people to at least put words to the things that didn't go well, but focusing in on the good stuff. And I think it's just that moment of a little bit of accounting. You're like, hey, for the last week, this is what was something that was great. This is something I could have improved or could have went better or like something stupid happened. By the way, usually when we do our team meetings, the wins and losses, the losses is usually something stupid. Like I dropped something on my foot or something. Yeah, like literally it's something stupid. This week we did one. Wins and losses, Bree's like, I fought with a vacuum machine and I won. <laughs> right? Well, I don't know yet. It's not, I didn't put it back together yet. That's on my list for today. I'll but literally, back. she started meeting with, she had an idea and she started fighting with the, the, the vacuum. It doesn't have to be big things. It's about appreciating the wins you do have. Mm-hmm. Some days the win is I got up, I took a shower, I ate, I made it through the day. <laughs> like, that's, that's okay. True. There are some days where I'm like, I'll get to the end of the day. I I love what I do, love the meetings, love the clients. And literally my win for the day is I made it through the day. Because there are some days I look at my calendar. I'm like, I'm an introvert by nature. Too many meetings gets me. I get stressed when I look in the morning. And I'm like, my win, I went through the day. Clients got what they needed. I can now just go hide. Like, that's okay. Now I could be looking at the gap and go, well, I could have done this better and I could have done this better. I could have done that better. It's a balancing act. 
You know, we do after every client meeting, we ask three questions. What worked? What didn't? And what would you do differently? The reason we have those three questions is you can learn from every experience. I don't want people just, people get stuck on like, if you do like, they call it plus delta, what worked, what didn't. They get super on the didn't. They like poke on that. If you add on, well, what would you do differently next time? We're looking again at what do I have to gain? Where am I going? The process, not the gap of like, oh, I said something stupid in that meeting. Uh, that's pretty much every meeting for me, you know, like, but I can learn from it and improve. Does that work for you, Brie? Yeah. And I, I think it helps because there aren't, sometimes there aren't things that are like just, oh, those didn't work. It was, well, I could have approached that or tried a different way and it probably would have worked a bit better. Like it worked, it wasn't the greatest, but changed it up a little bit and it probably would have been better. It's, it's a different way of phrasing. So Bring in the end. What, how do you rate this book? I gave it a four out of five. Okay. Even though you like hated it at the beginning, a four out of five. And who is it best? You know, who should read it? I think if you were the person in school, you always had to have good grades. You did really well. And even if you don't think you're struggling with that now, I would read it anyway. Because you might just figure out that you could chill out a little bit. <laughs> That's what I learned. Yeah, and I'll say it this way: I, if you want the gold star, like to like you know on the board, you know you did well, you need to read the book. <laughs> like just, you know, if, yeah. if you like counting gold stars, you need to read the book. Mm-hmm. Or if you're addicted to your work email. Exactly. Next <laughs> up for the book club, we are going to go into a book that, interestingly enough, Bree and I both loved even before we met. And that's Profit First. That's one of those that I recommend for all small businesses. I don't care if you're running a side gig, you got a big business, small business. It is like on that must read for small businesses. So if you ever thought about running a business, you have a business, you have a hobby business, read it and we'll pick that up in the next book club. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a rating or review. We'd love to keep the conversation going. Follow Child Free Wealth on social media or email us at podcast at childfreewealth.com. If you're interested in working together, learn more by visiting our website, www.childfreewealth.com. We'll see you next time.